understanding the everlasting covenant. Understanding the everlasting covenant. Hallelujah. Number one, we ought to understand what a covenant is in order to be able to understand what everlasting covenant is. The covenant. Understanding covenant. What is a covenant? A covenant in the Hebrew involves a cutting. A covenant in the Hebrew involves a cutting. And God will do nothing unless it is within the context of a covenant. God will do nothing unless it is within the context of a covenant. And one of the most important and most powerful words in the Bible, in the word of God, is the word covenant. When God enters into a covenant, there is no more he can do to commit himself. In other words, that is the highest level of commitment God puts himself into if he needs to go into a covenant. Hallelujah. Now, Hebrews chapter 6, the verse number 16 to 18, the scripture reads, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath and by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Hallelujah. Can we take that verse in the New Living Translation, please? If you have ordered or the Living Bible. Is it so God has given, let's take it from the verse number 16 again. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them together to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. 17. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. These two things, the oath and the promise, are impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, I beg your pardon, can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Hallelujah. That scripture, in effect, is telling us that a covenant is also an oath. And it says that a covenant is also an oath. That that means someone swearing. So somebody can swear. And it says that in the midst of swearing, normally they need somebody greater by which they can swear. So somebody, you find somebody, when somebody wants to swear, he will swear either by heaven, he will say, I swear by the heaven, or I swear by something that is greater, to prove that whatever they are saying is true. God also, in order to bind himself to what he says, that what he says will not change, the Bible says God also what swore. And the swearing 
He swore by an oath. That means somebody swearing. Now he said an oath is somebody swearing. An oath is also what? So God in this particular case was swearing. So God decided to confirm his two, his immutability or his unchangeableness by two things. The promise and an oath. The promise and what? An oath. By the promise and an oath. We'll be finding out what the promise is and what the oath was. So, Genesis 15, verse 4 to 5. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Next verse. And he bringeth and he bringeth him out without and said, Look attentively, I pray thee towards the heavens and count the stars, if thou art able to count them. And he said to him, Thus is thy seed. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for what? For righteousness. Hallelujah. He believed in the Lord, and he counted him for righteousness. He, or he counted it to him for righteousness. So why did God swear? God was swearing because he's saying that if I do not do what I say, then I don't exist. So he swore by himself. Because there is none greater than God, he swore by himself. He made a promise to Abraham, and the promise to Abraham, we find that in Genesis chapter 12, from the verse number 2, where God said to Abraham, that I will make thee a father of what? All nations. Genesis 12, the verse number 2. So God is saying by swearing that I, without me, if this word does not come to pass, then I don't exist. That is how strong his counsel was. Genesis chapter 12, we'll take it from the verse number 2. I read. And I will make thee, from verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sichem. So we see here God giving, God promising Abraham that when you get out of your father's house, I will bless you and I will make you what? A great nation. So God went into a covenant. God decided, look, I am making a promise with you. If you will come out of your father's house, you and your descendants, you will become the progenitor of the human race. In other words, you will be a, the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Now, a covenant, by means of a covenant, because it is cut, it is always cut in blood. The only way a covenant can be broken is through death. Hallelujah. The only way a covenant can be broken is through what? Death. Anytime a covenant is entered into, 
the end of that covenant is death. And that is to say, a covenant involves life and death. You either live or you die. So when God decided that he will promise by himself, he's saying that if I don't fulfill what I say to you, Abraham, I cease to exist as God. Or my Godhead does not exist. And he calls this the unchangeableness of his nature. The unchangeableness of himself. Numbers 23, 19 to 20, the scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and would he what not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless and he has blessed and I cannot reverse. This were the Israelites after many years. The scriptures talks about how Balaam and Barak came into confederation to curse them. But as the prophet went to curse them, he says, no, I have, God is not a man that he should lie. What he has spoken continues to exist. He says, through Abraham and through his seed will every man be blessed. In other words, these people are a blessed people and I cannot curse them. Hallelujah. These people are what? A blessed people and I cannot curse them. Now, a covenant is greater than a promise. A covenant is greater than a promise or higher than a promise. A promise has no surety, but a covenant or a covenantal promise has a surety in that it has gone through what? A legal process. Every covenant has what? goes through, or a covenant promise goes through what? A legal process. It is therefore protected and prosecuted by law. In other words, there is a law promulgated to make sure that that covenant that has been spoken, that has been released, or that has been entered into comes to pass. Now, but a promise is not like that. A promise can be broken. But a covenant will can only be broken on the premises of life or death. When you break it, you die. Now, there are in the scriptures, there are eight covenants we can find in the scriptures. Number one, we have the Adamic covenant. The Adamic covenant or what we call the Edenic covenant or the covenant that was cut in Eden. Praise the Lord. The covenant that we cut, that was cut in Eden or is called the Edenic covenant. The Edenic covenant. Then we have the Noahic covenant. The Noahic covenant is a covenant of the rainbow that God, after the destruction of the earth, God said that I will no more destroy the earth and to seal that covenant, he put in the skies the rainbow. So anytime it rains or anytime you see the rainbow in the air, in the skies, I beg your pardon, it is a sign of God's immutability or God's covenant that he made involving Noah. Then we have the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was just what we just saw, a while, what we just read a while ago, where God said, Abraham, get out of your father's house and I will bless you and I will make you a great nation and through you, you and all your descendants shall be blessed. So the Abrahamic covenant was a covenant that involved one man. But also, we also see another type of covenant after the Abrahamic covenant is called the Sinatic covenant or the Mosaic covenant or what we actually call the law. Hallelujah. Or what we call the Old Testament or the law. So we have the Sinatic covenant or the Mosaic covenant, which we call the law. Then we have the Levitical covenant. The Levitical covenant is the covenant involving the Levitical priesthood. Then we have the Davidic covenant. 
The Davidic covenant was the covenant that involved David. Then we have the Palestinian covenant. The Palestinian covenant. And then we also have the everlasting or the new covenant. The everlasting or the new covenant, which is also very synonymous to the Davidic covenant. We'll look at that in a moment. Now, out of these eight covenants, there are two that stand out specifically the Abrahamic covenant and then and the what and the new covenant. They stand out because they are based on a promise. The two covenants stand out because they are based on a promise. That is the Abrahamic covenant and then what? The Davidic covenant. So I beg your pardon, the new covenant. They are based on a promise. The old covenant is not the Abrahamic covenant, but the Sinaitic covenant. The old covenant is a covenant that was cut with Moses on Mount Sinai. So it's called the Sinaitic covenant, and it's also called what? The old covenant. But it is not the same as the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is different from the Sinaitic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is actually synonymous to the new covenant because it is an upgraded and an extended form of the Abrahamic covenant. Hallelujah. So the new covenant is an extended and upgraded form of the Abrahamic covenant, if you, if, if you understood that. So the old covenant is not the Abrahamic covenant, but the Sinaitic covenant or the Mosaic covenant. That was not God's original design for man. God's original design for man or God's original covenant is that was that of the Abrahamic covenant. This is not this is not different from the new covenant. In the sense that the new covenant and the Abrahamic covenant are very similar. They are based on promise, but the new covenant is an upgraded form of what the Abrahamic covenant. The Lord just came alongside, but the real deal was the Abrahamic covenant. So Romans chapter 5 verse 20 to 21 reads, it says, moreover, the law entered or the law came by as the Greek puts it, the law just came by or the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Then verse 21 says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. So the law just was just an addendum. It was just something that came to pass by and also expired along the line. The two covenants that stand out are only the Abrahamic covenant and then what? And then the new covenant, which are based on promise. Why covenant and testament? Or what is the difference between a covenant and a testament? We want to look at that quickly. Now, a covenant involves blood. And where blood depicts life, so when the parties involved break it, the one that breaks it must die. But a testament is a will. A testament is what? Is a will. A testament is a will. And a will is an estate. For example, if somebody writes a will, he writes 
in that will he puts his final wishes what he wants his children or the people that will be beneficiaries of what he has written in his will to partake of so that testament is called an estate so when one dies and leaves a will we call that one person a testator hallelujah if one dies without leaving a will we say that he died in what we call interstate that means that that person did not leave a will or did not leave last wishes. So a covenant is cutting blood. Whilst a testament involves what? Involves a will that is written. Now these two are a bit different. And we will look at that in a moment. Now so Abraham went into covenant with God. And when he went into covenant with God. Or God cut a covenant with Abraham. And how did God cut a covenant? God said, look Abraham. At some point Abraham became wobbly. Abraham's faith in what God said became some kind. So God decided that he will walk what we call the walk of blood with Abraham. And how did he do it? We will see that in a moment. And then I will tie a testament and a covenant together in a moment. Praise the Lord. So this, well, let's see how God did this in Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter 15 from the verse number 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to it to him for righteousness. Let's read on. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of air of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Verse 9. And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a sheep goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all this and divided them in the midst. And laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. Hallelujah. The birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and after, afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoke furnace. Take note of the word smoke furnace. And a burning lamp. Take note of the word burning lamp. That passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying unto thy seed have I given this land from the great river 
from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Now, so we see, let me just explain to you what happened there. Now, God decided to tell, Abraham was wobbly in his faith. Abraham could not really picture how God was going to make him to be a father of many nations because at this point, Abraham did not have an heir. And God had promised him you have an heir. So for God to make that promise to stick, God decided to also add an oath. And the oath is to swear by himself. So an oath and an and a promise are the two immutable things by which God could not what lie. But the promise was in a figure. An oath was also in a figure. We'll look at that in a moment. But how would he do it? He had to do it through the work of blood. And what is the work of blood? If you read the book of Jeremiah 34, the verse number 18, the scripture says, And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they had made before me, when they cut the calf in twine and passed between the parts thereof. So how did God instruct Abraham to do it? To cut the animals into two, one on this side, one on that side. Abraham was supposed to stand on one side. God was supposed to stand on the other side. Whilst the animals have been cut into two. One half year, one half year. To walk the walk of blood, what you do is that one, the other party will walk through the blood that way. The other party will also walk through the blood that way. What you are telling yourself is that if I do not fulfill the terms of this covenant or this agreement, the same way these carcasses of these animals on the ground, this is how my life will be. So as I'm walking through it to the other side, this is how my life will be. If I break this covenant, may I be like the carcasses. But if I fulfill the covenant, then may I have life. So there is what we call the work of blood. And that is what exactly what God was saying in the book of Jeremiah 34. That those that will transgress the covenant, they will give their life for it. How do you give your life? Exactly what God was doing with Abraham. But God knew that Abraham would not be able to fulfill the covenant. So what did God do? God decided that when it was time for the covenant to be cut, for the work of blood, a deep sleep fell on Abraham and Abraham slept. So by the time Abraham woke up, the covenant had been cut. But the covenant was cut in his name. And how did the covenant get cut? The Bible talked about what? The furnace of light that passed through. And the Bible also talked about the, let me just quickly get it. Verse 16, is it? Hmm. No, 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 not 16. 15. And thou shalt go to thy, no, 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 not 15. Um, Okay, let me take you from verse 10. And he took upon him all this and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another side by side. By the beds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. He was still awake. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Verse 13. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that they, thy seed. Then he began to give him the prophecy concerning what will happen to his people. And also that nation whom they shall serve. In verse 14. I will judge and after shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. And thou shalt be buried in a good old, old age. But in the fourth generation, 
They shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace. That's it. Number one, a smoking furnace. And uh, a burning lamp that passed between what? The pieces. That was God and his son doing the work of blood for Abraham and on his behalf. The smoking furnace, the burning lamp representing Christ and the smoking furnace representing God. They walked the walk of blood for Abraham. Abraham had fallen asleep. By the time he woke up, the covenant had been cut. What God was saying is that Abraham could not have fulfilled it by himself. Abraham would fail. And for Abraham to be assured not to die, God decided that I will do this all by myself. I am the two, I am I'm doing this by myself. By my own promise and by my own oath, I swear by myself. So God swore on the life of Christ and on the life of himself that these two must walk the walk of blood and they walked it for Abraham. Abraham woke up only to find out that the deal has been done. The work of blood has also had taken place. And what this does is that there was an exchange of position. Abraham took on the strength of God and God took on the weakness of Abraham. What that, that also meant was that any liability of the covenant, God says, I bear it all by myself. I dismiss your liabilities and I take it upon myself. Hallelujah. This is what God did in the everlasting, in the what? In the Abrahamic covenant. This is what God did in the Abrahamic covenant. Now, there are a few things I will talk about that and then we'll be bringing the service to a close tonight and then we'll take it on tomorrow and push it a little bit further. I don't want to overload you tonight. So, we have said that a testament necessitates or needs a testator, but the testator will not be able to become a testator unless he dies. If one dies, Without leaving a will, we said is an what is an interstate. Now, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 to 18. Let's read that. The scripture says, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, which I will be talking about possibly on the third day, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament. And the first testament was not the Abrahamic covenant. The first testament was actually the Sinaitic covenant or the covenant of what? Moses or the law. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So the promise God made to Abraham was eternal inheritance. So when he said, I promise, I'm making a promise, it was not just that Isaac was a figure or a type, but what God actually was promising was what we call eternal inheritance. Next verse. It says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. 
So the man that writes the will is called the testator. But whilst he's alive, the will cannot be what? Executed. The will is only executed after the man is dead. And the man must die. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. So the first testament, which was a law, had what we call types and shadows. So God wanted to make a promise. God decided to give us a copy so that we can see what will happen in the real. And he did that under the first testament. And he will do that as well under the last testament or the new testament. Now, from God's side, he made a covenant with Abraham. But from our Lord Jesus Christ's side, what he made with us is what is called what? A testament. From God's side, God walked the walk of blood with Abraham. And the work of blood he made with Abraham was what? A covenant. That said that anything you did became my own liability. Any mistake you did under this covenant, I take the liability because you couldn't walk the work of blood. And so God walked the work of blood. Guess what? Abraham showed up in Abimelech's house. And the first thing he did was to lie. He said, Sarah is not my wife, my sister. But because God has sworn that this covenant's liability is mine, Abraham, a liar, was still exonerated from his lies. God went to visit Abimelech at night and said, the man's wife you have taken, that man is a prophet. You better give that man's wife away. Another thing God said to, to, Melchizedek, to um, Abimelech is that, look, that guy is in pact with me. He's my covenant partner. What it means is that his wife is my wife. You don't leave the woman, I kill you tonight. And the Bible says immediately the man woke up, he began to shake. He went to Abraham. And guess what? God did not go to Abraham and ask Abraham, why did you lie? He said, go and pray for the guy. He said, look, you will go to that man, he's a prophet, the lying prophet, and he will pray for you. And when he prays for you, you and everybody in your family will be healed. God closed the womb of every woman in that family. And Abraham, the lying prophet, prayed for Abimelech. And Abimelech and his family were healed. Why? Because God took the responsibility of that covenant and said, it is mine. Any mistake of this covenant, I take it because I walked the walk. Abraham did not walk. Abraham slept. He woke up only to find out that he is in covenant with God. He's a covenant partner. The Bible says he has already seen the stars and he had believed God. And God had already counted it to him for righteousness. He didn't need to do anything. God did everything. And he became a beneficiary of everything. Hallelujah. This is what is called a covenant. This was the Abrahamic covenant. Now, we are saying that a covenant and a testament has two sides. A covenant must be cut in blood. Abraham's walk of God with walk of blood with God was in blood. But a testament involves death. Both of these involve death. The death of the animals that were put in, in, in the under the well, that were killed under the covenant. But in under a testament, the testator must die for the will to be enforced. Without the death of the testator, the will cannot be enforced. Now Paul, normally the word used for a testament, the Greek word is sunteki. That is S-U-N-T-E-T-H-E-K-E. And that was the word that Paul used. But when it comes to 
the testament in the new testament paul used a different word for testament and the word he used is diteki that is d i a t h e k e that is to say that the two this means that the testament and the covenant are the same so in the new testament a covenant and a testament are the same he uses the word diteki was the original word for testament is what sunteki so the testament is a covenant and a covenant is also what a testament in the new testament under the new testament a covenant is a testament and a testament is a covenant so god the new testament strangely is called the everlasting covenant and there is a reason for this and that is why we are having this conference so don't rush me i'll get there in a moment hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 to 21 let's look at a few scriptures that established that uh, that, that establishes the, the the covenant we're talking about so now the god of peace that brought again the dead from the dead our lord jesus jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant through the blood of what the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen and then hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 the scripture says and to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of abel then hebrews chapter 7 verse 22 a scripture reads by so much was jesus made a surety of a better testament so the testament and the covenant we have established are what the same so hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 as well says and for this cause he is the mediator of the new testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance then hebrews chapter 9 verse 20 the scripture says saying this is the blood of the testament which god has enjoined unto you and then galatians chapter 3 verse 17 the scripture is and this i see that the covenant that was confirmed before of god in christ the law which was 430 years after which means that this covenant was actually cut in eternity before time it was only inaugurated in time on the cross we'll look at that tomorrow so who has made us and second corinthians chapter 3 second corinthians chapter verse let's finish galatians 3 17 it says and this i see that the covenant that was confirmed before of god in christ of god when we were in christ so that emphasizes the fact that the work of blood that took place between abraham and god was actually between god and god between god and christ god 
in Christ. Christ took the liability of that work of blood. The law, which was 430 years after. So that means that what we are talking about was something that took place before what? The law. And we know what? That the Abrahamic covenant took place before the law. So this is actually talking about the Abrahamic covenant. Now, and it says, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. What promise? The promise of eternal inheritance. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. We'll read this last one and then we will continue tomorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The scripture says, Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. So he's saying that this new covenant is not of the physical, is not of the letter, but is of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The new covenant gives life. The old covenant brought death. The new covenant exposed men to death. The new covenant brought life and is a life-giving covenant. Hallelujah. Let's rise to our feet tonight as we celebrate the word and we celebrate this covenant of life. There is a covenant of life that comes through the walk of blood that Abraham went into with God. And when you walk that walk, you don't die. You live. I say you don't die, you live. That is why it's called the word come alive. Anytime we are engaged, we engage the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible says in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and God spoke, and then things began to be created. Anytime it is word time, it is time for creation. Anytime the word is ministered, things are being created. Things are happening in the realm of the spirit. The Bible says in Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent forth his word. The word healed them. The word delivered them from all their destructions. So this night as you have engaged the word, things are being created. Life is being enforced. Life is being enforced. Health is being enforced. Resources are being released to you. Come on, lift up your voice tonight and begin to talk to God and begin to celebrate the gift of eternal life that comes through the covenant, the eternal covenant, the everlasting covenant that we are exploring these four days. Makaso klatala badange evren kotongle nagli songlatai evedimio koshekle de garaldoza e manko preketi talada boche e le klasa prende klasuza bahai e zeketele gadoshata. Father, we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We give you praise, Lord. We minister life. We minister life. We minister life as your children, O oh God, understand the benefit of the New Testament. Life is ministered to them. Life is ministered to them as they understand the extent to which you went to bring life. Well, life is being ministered right now as you are seated in your homes, receive life. As you are driving, receive life. Wherever you are listening to my the voice, the sound of my voice, receive life. In the name of Jesus, we minister life. We are life givers because we carry the life of God in our lives. The Bible says the sentence of death is in our lives that we may minister life to others. Therefore, we minister life. I say we minister life. I declare to you, coronavirus is dismembered. Will not come near your dwelling because Christ walked the walk of blood on your behalf. God walked the walk of blood on your behalf. The blood was shed on your behalf so that you will have life. 
so that you will have the life of the Father that was in the Son. Oh, le klatso klatande glesi gladoja e veklosi magado shekilende e zaklando kosita e vakiniando sotaba daharia. Receive life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. Praise the Lord.